The following podcast is brought to you by Babe Media. I'm Emma Clark. And I'm Kelsey Burdett. You know those people you follow that just seem to get it? They have the Instagram content that you actually watch. They own the brands that you just can't stop buying from. And they tell the stories you actually remember. The kinds of people that leave you wondering, how do they do that? Well, we follow them too. And we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it. Welcome back to part three of our conversation with Baba. As I alluded to in the outro of our last episode, today we are chatting angel investing and um, venture capital because Baba knows a thing or two about this space. Does she ever? So Baba has raised literal millions of dollars across three rounds for Ceremonia alone, despite you know, having experience with Uber when they were raising a ton of money, same with Away. And so now taking all that experience and funneling that into her own brand is something really special. But not only has she raised for Ceremonia, she's also an angel investor herself. Selfishly in this episode, I geeked out over the investor's perspective and hearing how she thinks about what's a good deal and what's not, what her red flags are, what the terms Mm -hmm. are, what the tenure is or the timeline is to investing in these types of brands. This is an episode, you guys, get out the pen and paper. You're probably going to want to take notes if you're thinking about becoming an angel investor at some point in your future. Yes, absolutely. Or if you're going to be seeking funding at some point for your own brand or that's something you want to do because, yeah, like you said, she shared some really good um, ways to gain momentum in that process and also something she looks out for as an investor of brand she steers away from. So lots of good tactical advice in this episode. I think you guys are going to love it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay. So our final chat with Baba, we're talking all about capital and investing. So to start off this part, Kelsey and I have often talked about, you know, it would be really cool to do some angel investing, but I think we just don't know where to even start with that. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what those tactical steps are to get into angel investing and how you've approached it? Yeah. So with angel investing, actually, it could be good to go to like some sort of crash course, like crash course maybe is the wrong word, but I actually attended one that was hosted by the We Suite, it's a, a female community. They hosted it together with Human Ventures, a, a VC fund. And it was a very actually informative talk just about like what it means to angel invest, what you should look for. You have to be an accredited investor in order to invest in the first place, like what makes you qualify as that. And it sort of just took out a little bit of the fear around it because once you have the information, that is power. So that was more like, you know, practical stuff. Uh, and I know that actually one of my investors, Sogel Ventures, they have an angel network too that they call Empire. And that's a great way to start angel investing because they do a lot of the trainings and then they actually source a lot of the deals and they have a great deal flow since they are already like in a, a VC fund and then they can sort of surface that to their angel network. But if you want to do something on your own, like I did, basically, I 
and just started talking to people. I had a big network of founders since I was running my brand marketing agency. And I just started talking about that I was going to start angel investing and that if they hear about any interesting deals in uh, CPG, D2C or, or tech to share deals with me. And then I started looking at a lot of investment decks and I created a little thesis for myself and there it can be small things like for me it's like if I am investing in a tech company I require that one of the founders is a technical founder and yeah and and like a lot of the times there are companies that are founded by two marketing people and they're starting a tech company for the first time and 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 maybe that will be fine and they will be super successful but for me I I believe in like tech at the top if you're doing a tech company. So that was like a little rule of thumb that I created. And when it comes to D2C brands, I, I take a lot of emphasis on brand, just understanding the founder's background and how to create a brand. Have they done it before? If not, do they have the right advisors or the right agencies on board? So yeah, creating kind of like, what do you attribute success to? And then use that as like your little investment thesis when you're evaluating deals. I was listening to a podcast done by Alex Lieberman, who's one of the co-founders of Morning Brew. And he, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, but he did a ton of investments every single month for a year. And then his whole thing was like, with enough at-bats, I'll learn really quickly at the end of the year, I can look back and share my learnings with everyone else. And he said something I found really interesting. He said, in your lane or your area of expertise, you've kind of earned the right to be more experimental, right? To take the bigger risks. You understand the space better. He said, however, when you're investing outside of your lane or outside of your league, look for people who that is their lane. And if they're investing, follow suit, right? Exactly. Because you're basically getting their stamp of approval. You have about a million lanes. How do you think about which verticals to invest in and which ones maybe to step out from? Yeah. I mean, this is the other thing is like, you also have to look at your budget. Like when I started, I had very little money to invest. So I could do like a $10,000 check and I could only do so many in the whole year. Um, but I knew that I was planning to continue to allocate yearly budgets for this. So then after a couple of years, in my case, I would have enough data points and and you learn a lot from investing. So in the beginning, it's it's really just about getting started. And to to his point, have enough bets because the statistics are that most startups don't make it. So yeah. it has to be money that you're comfortable with not seeing a return on. Um, and it also needs to be enough money that you can put it across enough companies that if one makes it, that makes up for all the other losses. And that's the cool thing with angel investing is that it's a more high risk type of investment, but also higher reward. I am not super afraid of risk, so I love it. And today I feel like I know what I'm looking for in a different way. This is another thing, and this is a little sad sometimes, but people who are not good at fundraising is also a red flag for me because so much of the success is being able to sell. And if you're not able to sell your company to investors, I don't know if you can sell it to a vendor, like there are all these things. So uh, people who are fundraising for forever, that's a red flag, although they could, would probably get there at some point. But since I don't have endless budget, I have to put my budget where I see success and being able to access capital is a huge part of success. So yeah, I, I love when founders do their research, are really good about creating momentum for their deals, creating attractive investment decks, and then moving fast. Raising capital is not like trying to find a model scout that's going to discover you. It's putting your mind to something and creating a timeline and 
you have to complete the task. It's not like an if, it's a when. At least that's how I approach it. When I go out to raise money, I am going to raise. It's just a matter of when, not if. And in order to be successful, I have to do a lot of preparation before I kick off the process. So that once I kick off the process, I can create momentum in the industry. And ideally, it can be a little bit of a buzz where people are like, yeah, did you hear about us racing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like investors talk to each other. Everyone wants to be on the hot deal. So to the guy you were referencing's point, that's how people do it. They follow other people that they trust. So if you mm-hmm. get a couple of trustworthy people, they will likely bring a little squad with them as well. And that's how you create momentum. Very cool. Can you talk a little bit about what that prep is before you go out? Yeah. So I think the the preparation, at least for me, was initially talking to founders who have done a similar type of round before. So if you're doing a pre-seed, that's very different from doing a series A. Yeah. Um, so finding founders who have done your journey recently, ideally. And, and I think this is a mistake sometimes that founders do is that they seek the most inspiring person to them. But that person might actually not be as helpful because there are too many steps ahead of you. So looking for someone who's like one or two steps ahead of you, I have found to be way more valuable. That's information gathering. And then the other step is starting to build out an outreach list. Okay, what are all the funds and angel investors you can think of? People you have seen invest, people you have heard of. Ask other people who are their investors. Google, like however you got to do it, just create this big spreadsheet. And then start categorizing them. Okay, which ones of these make sense for your type of business? Which of these funds actually invest in your category? Which of these funds invest at your stage of business? So you're not wasting your time with funds that are anyways not a fit. And then that's how you create your outreach list. And then when you're ready to do the outreach, you almost want to like clear your calendar for the next couple of weeks and start getting meetings in the books around the same time so that it creates a little bit of like competitive FOMO. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So what's the timeline like? Maybe we'll take this from the investor's lens. How long are you courting a company before you strike a deal? I mean, as an angel, it's like this. Like angels are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Angels are fast. I know it when I see it. And and that doesn't mean that I am a magician and I know what's going to be successful and not. Like I have probably passed in a lot of deals that are going to be great. I have maybe just not felt like I'm an value add enough to that type of business or, you know, there are a million reasons why people will say no. So that's actually another thing. Don't take it personal. It's not you, it's them. You can have an amazing business and still have someone you admire decline it. And it can have nothing to do with you. It can just be that they don't invest in that area or like, yeah. you know, they are too oversubscribed in beauty and they want to now add more tech or whatever. That's a great um, point. Yeah. But in terms of the, VC funds, they have more of a process and the process looks different depending on what stage of investment. Generally speaking, you want to get some verbal confirmations so that you have a sense for how much is allocated of the round and how much do you have left. And usually you want to find a lead investor who sort of takes the deal under their wings as sort of the majority stakeholder. And then you want to leave a little bit of room for angels and maybe some smaller checks from other funds that you just want to keep close to you. And in an ideal scenario, you want to have at least two VC funds compete for the sort of like lead investor role 
because then you can uh, negotiate the terms better. Whereas if you only have one offer, you might feel like you sort of have to take it. However, you really don't have to. I have been in a situation where I only had one offer and I didn't like the terms and I turned it down. And then two weeks later, I actually had two new offers. So trust your gut there. Don't sign off your life. (laughs) And I think I also read something about you. You're like, so many companies wait until they're desperate to raise money and it puts them at a disadvantaged position. You're on your back. But you end up taking deals that you probably shouldn't. Your thing is all, at least if if that still reigns true, your thing is all about raising when you've got momentum, right? When the wind is in your sales and you're going in and you're getting money. How are you thinking about the timeline then of raising relative to that momentum? What are kind of the triggers that it's time to raise and now is still within that that sphere of momentum? Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of times of year that from an industry perspective, you just shouldn't raise. Like, I think every investor will say that August and November, December are terrible. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, everyone is off. Like they're also human beings. And a lot of investors are older people who, I mean, not older, but like adults who have kids and families like not 22 year old baba so their lives are a little different and however i also think that it's just like with anything if you're desperate you're less attractive it goes for dating it goes for business and i like to plan your financial rounds based on momentum and the way we do it is that when we take it in capital we have an idea of where we're going to use that capital and what the goals and milestones are. So then you have your projections and then you track those very diligently throughout the year to make sure that you are on track for your projections. And then there are certain triggers that are going to make your company more valuable, whether it's like, oh, we strike an insane retail deal or oh, we, I see. we have this incredible celebrity came on board and now uh, is endorsing the brand or... We just won this insane award. There are different things like that that can sort of accelerate momentum. Mm -hmm. And that's usually when you anticipate that something like that is about to happen. And it somewhat aligns with when you would anyway want to raise your next round. You might want to sort of like turn that momentum on at that that moment. The reality is that it's not like you should raise money anytime you have momentum. But capital is power when you're in a high growth company. But at the same time, the more you can achieve before you take on capital, the more ownership you're going to keep as a founder. So there, there is a balance there. Usually I have sort of like a six month period where I'm like, around this time, we anticipate racing the next round. So then I can decide when within that time frame I go out with, with the fundraising momentum and, yeah. and, and tie it to something that gives me wind. (laughs) Love that. Oh, absolutely love this conversation. And we could keep going, but we're over time. So we're going to be mindful of your time. But Baba, thank you so much for coming on. Before we wrap, plug yourself. Where can our audience find you? I am most active on Instagram, I think. I am just at Baba on Instagram. Wow, that's impressive. (laughs) B-A-B-B-A. So go follow me there. Okay. Amazing. You are such an inspiration to us and we really appreciate you coming on and have a great rest of your evening. Thank you so much for having me. So that wraps up our series with Baba. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as we did. She is honestly one of the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the space, in my opinion. And yeah, I'm just really honored that we got the chance to speak with her. Uh, 
Yeah. Honestly, this was probably our most diverse cross-section of topics, right? Everything from careers changing industries to parenthood and business ownership, all the way down to funding and becoming an angel investor. But you can tell she does it all. And so if you liked this episode, make sure to go comment on our most recent Instagram post, your favorite part. Tell us what you loved about these episodes and what you love about Baba. And we will be back with more content for you next week. See you then.